0: Oh, the or that will care. If you let all the fans down. can we not knock
1: it? It's a fact. I not playing
0: mind games. I am talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladiccio, they'd probably say I was more
1: of a tactical genius. I yeah, answer questions on anything. Uh, religious, them? politics, uh, health, you know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face!
0: Just look at his face! None of you except for those two have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you! Disgrace! And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Yes, you're very welcome along to Team 33 here on Off the Ball. End a call here with you up until about 10 o'clock this evening. And I'm joined on the line by our own Richie McCormick because we're going to look ahead to the League of Ireland season. It starts next Friday night, so since we're going to be on air while those games are ongoing, we thought we may as well look
1: ahead to the games now. Richie, how are you getting on? Uh, Excited, Enda. it's, It's been a long post-season and it kind of has been a shorter one for us both fans because of the cup final uh which we won't mention again Um but yeah I don't know just the act of, just the, the act of having football on a Friday uh, has been um, very much missed uh, so I'm looking forward to coming back around Are you going to sarcastically tweet that football is back? <laughs> uh, it's an annual tradition uh, to say the football is back it's not like yeah I, th- I think the days of, of having digs and um trying to score points off people who might be more interested in English football or Italian football or whatever, probably uh, probably should be a thing in the past. Um, I Yeah. I'm just, and to be honest with Jim, I'm just looking forward to, to the season because there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that's going to be the same this year. I'm a, We'll get to that in a, in a minute, I guess. But there's an awful lot of massive question marks over some big clubs as well. Um. So, yeah, the, the, the interest nature in it and the, there's going to be a freak show element to it as well in some places is going to be really, really good. Yeah, there
0: always is. I, I, I was interesting uh, listening to Liam Buckley who was chatting at the launch to our own Aisling O'Reilly and mm. she asked him what would be one thing you would j- change about the, the league if you could. And he said probably the perception and I thought that was interesting because last year and the year before, I don't know whether it's the nature of social media, it seemed to be sort of a breakthrough year where, like you're saying, people aren't really looking outward anymore. The yeah. fans of the League of Ireland mainly is what I'm talking about here. They're they're actually satisfied with what is happening in the league with the players that are playing, the excitement that's bringing it, uh, the, the the young players playing in the league are bringing. And the football, the quality of football is played across the board, it doesn't seem to be something that we're, we're looking across the water and envy anymore.
1: Yeah, the, there's a, a lot of difficulty to be had and there's a lot of kind of choppy waters to be navigated in terms of the messaging around the league because like, it's one of the things that a few people who would know better about tactics and coaching and all that kind of stuff uh, will tell you in the past year and a half uh, to two years is that the quality in the league is much, much better than the wider perception of people who might still uh, be a bit sniffy about it would actually uh, think uh, the quality of the league has been improved hugely because it used to be a case, maybe you have one really good footballing team, two maybe really good footballing teams, but right throughout the league, I think last year, you'd be, you would struggle to find a team who were hoof merchants and who were happy to just like go, Charging into challenges and to go about the old Wimbledon way of making things difficult for people. Most teams from the bottom up, like the, like Waterford, were playing some good stuff last year. Uh, Bowes obviously played some some fine stuff, finishing mid table. Uh, Derry under Rory Higgins, always trying to do things the right way. And then you've got the upper echelons of Dundalk and, and Shamrock Rovers, and, and people know about them. And Liam Buckley's case in point at Slido. Um, but it's trying to. I guess it's like the, the Mark Scanlon was talking about this as well. It's trying to get the, the message out there. It's a very difficult thing. And more more than anything, like everything else in the league, it'll take money. And it'll take money being ploughed into facilities, first of all. It'll take money being ploughed into advertising. And it'll take money uh, being ploughed into coaching because you need to not just have this couple of years be an aberration. It needs to be a consistent thing. You may, need to make sure that coaches who might do well That might be poached are actually replaced and you have a production line not only of players but also of coaches but the the general standard in the league is great and there is like you say a lack of outward looking nature about and people are more happy to be happy within themselves and within the league but you don't want that to turn into an insider thing whereby it seems like a closed off product for people who might want to get involved but you know the outward suggestions are that's not really the case in a lot of clubs. Shamrock Rovers obviously doing a lot of great work to be able to get six, 7,000 people in uh, week on week. Um, Bowe's now with the amount of season tickets and the amount of memberships that they've sold in the off-season has been huge and people struggle to get match day tickets for their home games um, but that plays into the facilities thing. Shelburne are going to be a draw because of, of Damien Duff now as well coming back into the top flight and then you have your Derrys and you have your Sligos who are fantastic representatives of their local areas so... There has been work done. It's a case in Dublin, I guess, of of trying to everybody trying to carve their own niche, and um, but outside of Dublin as well, people are doing remarkably well in their own their own promotion of their clubs. And like it, a lot of it falls in the clubs, but again, you need the FAI, you need broadcasters, and you know we fall into that as well to be doing more to 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 raise everybody's level, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I guess you can highlight these issues as well without always talking about the negative aspects of League of Ireland because mm. sometimes that can happen with the mainstream element to it where it's always when something bad happens like the fireworks into that the Shamrock Rovers game last last year or the fight before the FAI Cup final like the, you can always find the negatives in everything but there are also a lot of positives happening within the League of Ireland loads of stories to get into for mm. this season as well you know, you've got Jack Byrne coming back to Shamrock Rovers, Damien Duff's first season with Shelburne, loads happening with the individual clubs as well. But there's also news outside um, the football element of things. So Shamrock Rovers won't have an empty stadium for the first game of the season because their uh, their stadium ban has been turned into a fine You've got the uh, uh, Sligo Rovers sponsorship uh, situation where they said that they're not going to take any sponsorship from gambling companies. I know a couple of clubs have done that as well. And there's actually a lot of good things happening within clubs right now off the pitch to promote the game in the way that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, the the Sligo and Andrade have have been to the forefront of the the anti gambling thing. Like that's brilliant because it's listening to their fan base, and they said that this is in consultation with fan groups. And the the like they, I can I don't want to keep drawing on uh, examples that are immediate to me, but you look at what Bohemians did a couple of years ago when they had Mister Green as their sponsor, and needs most of the time. And you know certain clubs aren't in a position, and certainly I don't think Bowes were at the time to be turning down sponsorship deals. Um, but you have a situation whereby. The jersey isn't the same for kids because you can't advertise a gambling company uh, on something that's you know targeted at minors. So you had Bohemian Foundation on the kids' jerseys. It's little things like that. I don't think the doc or I don't, sorry, I don't think uh, Drada wanted to be brought into that situation. I don't think Sligo wanted to be brought into that situation. Sligo said they turned down two fairly hefty offers of um, of gambling deals as well. Um, there are players coming back into the league, like you mentioned, Jack Byrne coming into to Rovers is huge. They're just they like there's a, there's an attraction elements to Rovers that's the envy of other clubs. I think to some degree Dundalk had it a couple of years ago when Stephen Kenny was in charge, and I think by far and away they had the best squad in the league. But I don't think they had the same level of star power. And that's something that's like, you know, it, it, it's absent in the league, but they're not the same level of star power as a Rovers will, because Jack Byrne obviously is a full international. Graham Burke is a full international. Uh, you've got Richie Tell come back into the league and is a great performer within the league and will make them a really attractive watch throughout the season. and will, you know, make them pretty hard to beat the, their their squad as, a, as an entirety. But yeah, like there's, there's, there's loads of positives to be looking at. And, and the negative stuff as well, again, it comes back to perception because like the 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 fireworks thing with Rovers, um, I think the F.A.I. wanted to come down hard on that. I think the rules state that they obviously were in, uh, you know, you have to be responsible for your fans, even if they are travelling down to a, 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 a an away ground. Um, I think where Rovers handled it well was that they immediately took ownership of the issue. They identified the people involved. I know they're arrested at the time, and they said they're immediately banned. So. Like, it would have been pretty harsh to impose a stadium ban on them, even if it is within the letter of the law. So um, a fine probably uh, just about suits it. But again, like that stuff, like you compare it to, I hate comparing apples and oranges, but you look at what happened last week with our man Teron, wasn't it, in in the football league, and the the Barney that went on towards the end of that game and resulting in four red cards and, and so on for Teron. Like, that happens in a stand or outside of a stand at a League of Ireland game. It's a new story. It's kind of shrugged off within 12 to 18 hours if it happens on a GEA pitch. And that's partially because I don't think the league has helped itself because those elements have been so prevalent and pretty frequent down through the years. But stuff gets, stu- like smells linger longer on negative stuff within the League of Ireland, probably more than it actually uh, deserves. Not saying bad stuff doesn't deserve highlighting, but it, like it needs to be equated to what else is going around in sport as a whole in England, where like because people say the you know, like the the Premier League is a much more attractive option. You look at the increase in. Um, fan disorder and cocaine use in fans in England, which is fueling, you know, rows outside the stadium, rows on the pitch, Leicester fans running on to box Forest players uh, last Sunday in the FA Cup. Like the, like everywhere has its problems and that's what needs to be highlighted. It's not just a local thing. It's not just because somebody supports Pats or somebody supports Sligo or somebody supports Cork City or whatever. It's everywhere. And the League of Ireland needs to maybe realise that and stand up for itself a little bit more.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I, I guess the GAA thing's an, an interesting side point in that it's almost seen as part of the game. And, you know, yeah. these things happen and we move on. Whereas in the League of Ireland, it's not. Let's talk about things on the field then. Lots to get into. I'm remiss to start with this team, Richie, because I know you're an avid Boson, but we have to start mm-hmm. with the uh, the champions, I guess. And that's yeah. Shamrock Rovers going for three in a row. Strengthening again, bringing Jack Byrne into the team. Andy Lyons obviously moving across the rivalry to, to join them as well. Are we looking at another year where Rovers are by far and away the strongest team, best run team, and probably going to win the league again here? I, I personally find it difficult to see any team that's better than them. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe there's a case to make that the likes of Derry could actually challenge this year and Pats could strengthen as well under under Tim Clancy. So mm. are we envisaging a tighter league or another Rovers runaway?
1: Uh, Rovers runaway. Like I, I just, I can't, I can't envisage any situation where they're not out of sight by the middle of the season. Um, just because there's so many unknown elements around other clubs that sh- like technically should be challenging and should be in around the top two or three. And you'd count the dock, you count Pats amongst that with Clancy coming in. Um like Shelburne's another story entirely, but like there are a lot of big names in the league, but in terms of clubs, but rovers are the only ones that are as well run, have the continuity going in from one season to the next and bringing in proven entities. Uh, and not too many of them either because they haven't had to do much reshaping of their squad because of the way things are run there. They're able to offer people multi-year contracts and they're able to re-sign who they want to resign. and the people that they let go like, aren't necessarily frontline players like the likes of like Jordan talon has gone out uh, Max Murphy's gone from Rovers to Bows but they brought in Andy Lyons they brought in Jack Byrne they've strengthened what they already have uh, and they were worthy champions last year and they will be again this year it's just going to be a question Of by how much and it's not because necessarily the other teams are bad it's because you just can't see a lot of first year managers at their new clubs even if they're not inexperienced in the league but at their new clubs with the turnover and the churn of players that they have competing with the stability that's there at Rovers it's just a very very difficult thing to do and Rovers are now a, a self-sustaining beast they've got you know young players coming through like Amaku who's been brilliant when he's uh, shown little uh, cameos off the bench and, uh, and towards the end of last season as well and he's gotten the opportunity to start Like they're, they're just a very very good squad and will be it's, it's just exceptionally difficult to beat the only question I have is probably it's probably time that they got a new goalkeeper um, with all due mm. respect to Alan Maness but um, yeah, I think overall, like if you're picking out that as their weak point, and he's one of still one of the better keepers in the league, like they're going to be okay.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can underestimate the contract situation and the ability to offer multi year contracts because, again, yeah. at the LOI launch, that's something that the players highlighted as something that they would like to see. And if you look at the year before with Sean Hoare and Sean, Sean Gannon joining them from Dundalk. That was the reason they joined, was because Dundalk were not offering them yeah. multi-year contracts. And Shamrock Rovers handed Sean Hoare, I think it was a four-year contract at the time. That's why he took it. That's why he came down. And if you almost compare Dundalk's business plan, which was a mess over the last couple of years, with the European money that they had, they spent a lot and bought a lot of players, but they weren't kneeling players down to multi-year contracts and weren't able to hold on to their best players when it came to it. Rovers are doing that, and they're also... You know, bringing back players like Jack Byrne, with with Byrne specifically, Mandreu obviously filled a, a hole for them last year in the, in that position when when uh, Byrne left them. Is it going to be a situation where they fit both of those players in? Very similar players, very luxury players, I guess you could call them in a way. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he can drop Jack Byrne. I think he comes in and, and is
1: still their best player. Uh, I think it'd be a case where Bear Byrne's probably sitting in uh, midfield, and he's. Uh, maybe taking on the position that they thought Chris McCann would do last year um, four injuries kind of got in the way. So Burner would probably sit deep in midfield. It's what they have in front of them then because the more difficult scenario is to see how they play uh, Richie Tell and Danny Mandrew together. Um, but like, Jesus, aren't they wonderful problems to have if you're Stephen Bradley because you're sitting there, you're wondering, oh, well, I've got t- literally two of the best right-backs in the league in Gannon and now Andy Lyons. Uh, I've got a brilliant defence pretty much stacked from top to bottom. I've got the likes of Dylan Watts, Rowan Finn, Neil Farouge is like still kind of figured that this might be his year if he's going to kick on and, and prove himself to be one of the better players in the league. They're just top to bottom, uh, fantastically well-constructed squad, but they maybe do have a bit of bloat, uh, much like myself, in around the middle. And uh, you would you would wonder how, like, how keeping them happy, because the thing about Mandrew is is interest and motivation and trying to keep him oriented on a goal. Because a lot of the time when he was still coming through at Bowes and he was in and out of the squad, I think that was part of the issue. He was given a bit of responsibility and given something to dig his teeth into last year at Rovers and took on the responsibility well. It's maintaining that with him. It's maintaining his mentality. It's maintaining his his 100% focus on the game. is huge. I don't think you're ever going to really have that with Richie Towell which is where he might edge him in certain aspects and, and in certain European games but on a week-to-week basis like geez, what a great great problem Stephen Bradley has in trying to fit all them in the midfield
0: yeah it's a serious uh, midfield when you think that you know even the likes of Ronan Finn again is still being sort of pushed out of his natural position to fit all these different players in It's a, it's an unbelievable squad they've got going mm. there it, what about your own bows then? We'll move across Dublin. A lot of good players out the, out the window again, but a lot of returning players as well. A couple of good ones as well. Chris Tardick coming back into the team. Um, but again, it just seems that bows can only go a certain distance yeah. with yeah. the business model, which is sustainable for them at the minute, but it just seems like they're they're going to struggle to make that step uh, to, towards a title.
1: Yeah, they've been unfortunate in that they've produced a lot of really good young players in the past couple of years. Yeah. So they've been really good to the point that they've you know gone already. So Ross Tierney, who you would have hoped, given his age profile, might have st- uh, stuck around for a year or two more. Clearly he's talented enough that Motherwell have come over and gone, yeah, we'll have a PCU. of you. Uh, Georgie Kelly was the standout goal scorer in the league last year. And so Rotherham came sniffing uh, and other English teams obviously came sniffing. But it is like the cases, like the Andy Lyons one is the one that will probably sting more because he was brought through at the club and he developed at the club and he turned into a Republic of Ireland under 21 international at the club. Uh, but it's probably been a position to, to offer him the deal he wants. Not qualifying for Europe has been uh, a massive blow in terms of the attractability of the of the club rather than the finances because I was reading an interview with, uh, I think it was Dan Lambert was giving an interview before the cup final and said before the cup final, the budget was set for next year. So it didn't depend on whether or not they qualified for European football. So that's that's a relief to be where they've been in the past. But Tordek coming back in is a brilliant signing because that few months when he was there before he went off to Poland were brilliant. He just looked a real genuine threat coming in off the flank. He's that typical winger he'll come in on his wrong foot essentially and and bamboozle defenses. Um junior has proved before in the league that he can do a really magnificent job. It's getting him to do it outside of Derry is the is the main thing because Dundalk never really took flight for him, and um, in the same way that I guess Bastian Harry never really took flight for Bowes last year. And Jordan Flores coming into midfield as well as is a is a really nifty signing and probably a necessary one, given the likes of of Keith Buckley and and Tierney uh, heading off, and even Jack Moylan as you know limited as his chances were in the first team probably look like with the with the flux going on in the squad that this year could be the year he broke through but he's decided to head off the shells so Flores going in is a really good signing uh, but beyond that like I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you too much about Jordan Doherty because he spent the last few years in America I hear good things uh, Grant Horton's come in on loan from Cheltenham who apparently is going to sit in midfield as well but getting to hold on to Dawson DeVoy is is massive yeah, but again huge. but again, it's just a case of, of, of when he's going to go because he will because he's good enough he's more than good enough uh, to go over to, to the UK um, and like obviously, MK Dons are probably going to come sniffing again in the summer and seeing if they can yeah, work around something. And that, you know, bio clause is going to be tested again. But yeah, like it's just giving me a case of bringing through more young, young players. And there are a lot of younger players still there, um, hoping that Junior hits the ground running because we need a goal scorer like Georgie Kelly last year because in years previous, goals have been an issue. So yeah, I, I think where they finished last year and probably in around a fourth or fifth spot is probably the best with the squad that Bose can hope for this season. Yeah, I guess it's whether
0: Keith Long can get Junior to do what he got Georgie Kelly to do because, I mean, Georgie Kelly had a a bad season with St. Pats the year before joining Bose. and again, then he went on to be the best striker in the league uh, last year. So if Junior can... You know, if he if Keith Long can get Junior doing what he got Georgia Kelly doing, then it could be a, an exciting season as well. In terms of the actual progression of the team, obviously, like Bows play really good football, and hmm. the youth is at the forefront. They're an incredibly good team. As, as if you take the club into perspective and the community work that they do, and the the jerseys, it's a it's a very well run operation. They play good football, and youth is at the forefront. Is there a fr- what? What's it like to be a Bose fan at the minute, though? Because while all this good stuff is happening, it's also frustrating that you know maybe if the FAI Cup final went differently last year, it might be a different perception of the, the team. But yeah. it, it it must be frustrating as well.
1: There, there is now that that creeping aspect of of nearly men, and that there needs to be a trophy to be to have a tangible marker of what the last few years have been, because the last few years have been remarkable because the players that they produced, the football they've been playing, the sense of community around the club that they've been able to generate, the fact that they're able to sell out memberships and season tickets and, you know, the ground can only hold so many people. So it's going to be full in so much as it can be full uh, for the duration of the season. But again, it's just, you feel like there's a wall you feel like and that wall is is players being plucked off. That wall is not being able to, you know, bring in players on the same money that rovers are now able to do or the dock have been able to do with European cash for the last few years. And and that will continue because like they're sensible and they've seen overspending before and what it can do to a club and they're not going to they're not going to cut off their nose despite their face. The one thing you just want to see some tangible progress with the ground. And you want to see because you look at what rovers have been able to do with Tala. And the facility that that is and you look at if you contrast that with what dundalk have not done when they've had uh, cash with oriel and i know rovers are helped out by the by the fact that it's you know the corporation ground etc but you look at what dundalk haven't done with oriel and you know we've all these grand plans for daily mount, but you just want to see spades in the ground you want to see you know tangible notifiers that this is actually heading in the right direction and that that pitch is going to be turned 90 degrees and that there's going to be four stands around the pitch and it's going to be 6,000 people there every week. Like that's, that's, that's the next step and it's getting there. And hopefully that's soon because it needs to be soon because otherwise that wall is going to become higher and higher and higher. And you're going to be stymied by the fact that you're not able to give out this big cash to the players that you feel would suit the team better. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the cup final was a blow. Like I've, I refuse to get too downhearted about it because of loss of penalties, and you know penalties are, are what they are, and it's still recorded as a draw in the history books and all that kind of stuff. So you can't really begrudge them that. But maybe this year, who knows? Yeah,
0: the ground one is an interesting one because while the Jody Stand is is fun and nice, it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it it's all there is. Yeah, exactly, it's all there is at the minute. The club that will be joining them in that new stadium are Shelburne. And obviously we have a new have new face in charge of Shelburne, that is Damien Duff. We'll get into him and Shelburne and what they're going to do just after the break. Stay tuned. Team 33. This
1: is OTB Sports Radio.
0: Now you're welcome back to Team 33 and a call here with you in the company of Richie McCormick as we preview the League of Ireland season for 2022. It's coming up next week. And before the break, we mentioned Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers, but, on uh, the other side of Drumcondra, there is another team joining us in the League of Ireland this season. Shelburne are back, and Damien Duff is in charge of them. Richie, I think Damien Duff came into the sort of the the minds of people when it came to a manager when he took charge of the underage structure at Shamrock Rovers, and the first thing he did was criticise the lack of professionalism within the underage structure and the need to get players playing more and training more and mm. bring it up to scratch in the same manner that he would have experienced in England. And I think people were a little taken aback by that. And, you know, maybe they did, they hadn't thought of it, or maybe they just thought, who is this guy coming in? And obviously he has no experience with the league. Now he's getting real experience with the league in, in taking Shelburne look, it, it, they've been a decent side up and down over the last couple of years, but bringing Damien Duff in, bringing the signings that they brought in. This is a massive year for Shelburne and the progression of the club
1: and seeing if they can maintain Premier Division status. Yeah, it's a hell of a move because I don't think you can colour anything as Ian Morris is being exceptionally unfortunate by the situation that arose there because they got promoted with him really impressive throughout the course of the First Division last year. And then they decided, yeah, we want Damien Duff and all that he brings into the job. Like, it's a massive job for Duff. And I don't think people might, from the outside looking in, they kind of think, oh yeah, he's the Republic of Ireland International, let's be a doddle for him. Like, the the last few years are littered with former internationals, uh, Irish and otherwise, that have come into the league and have just been unable to swim at all. And like most of them at Waterford, let's be honest. But they have standards, but it's just being able to transmit those standards to the players and also have a bit of back and forth where they know that there are certain you know upper limits on squad members and there are upper limits on the amount of errors that you're able to do and, and the availability of players and the the quality level of players. And that's going to be a difficult thing for Duff to still try and bridge because youth football and underage teams are a different beasts to to managing full time in the in the League of Ireland, and he's already said, like he said at the launch the other day, that he's found the twenty four hour nature of it, um, you know, pretty hard to get his head around. But you know, that's that's the job, you know. Um, Shelburne are 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 a big a dormant, uh, big club. He's made some decent signings there, but it's going to be managing to to coalesce that all together in a squad that's seen a lot of outgoings and players that help get them up, and there's still a lot of young youth youth players shot throughout that side as well. It's, it's a very tricky job for him. I think anybody who thinks that they're going to hit the ground running and be a challenger to Rovers this year are probably slightly misguided. I'm not too sure how many people that are like that are actually out there. but it, I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to be a struggle, but it's going to be hard work for Duff mm. this year to have them be at least the mid-table side. They've brought in some good players, but they've also brought in players that aren't necessarily proven in the league and might have a point to prove. Jordan McInefe is, is one of those who's reached the level at Arsenal whereby he's like 20 now and he probably either needs to move away or needs to find a new club or needs to find a new avenue towards where he wants to get going and that might be the loan deal at Shelburne now this year but again an unproven entity in the league and you just if you're a Shells fan you need a bit more certainty someone like Mark Coyle is going to give them that like Mark Coyle if you look throughout their signings throughout the close season probably isn't the most glamorous one but will probably from their perspective turn out to be the best because it's solidity and it's there's a proven nature to what he's been able to do in the league with Finn Harps. And he's been brilliant for Finn Harps the last year or so. Yeah. Um, Dan Carr as well as another, like he, he score goals when he was at Rovers and he can't argue with his record in the league has since bounced around. I think he's been in India and he's been at Welling United and he's been in a few other outposts, but has decided to to come back home as it were. And Duff needs him to score goals and score goals from the off um, because goals are what keep you competitive in this league.
0: Yeah, the thing I like about Duff so far is just his humility in what he's saying. That he, you know, he doesn't know the league. It'll take him, you know, multiple years to actually get to know every player in, in every county and and every club. So, I, I, he's highly rated. I, I've I've spoken to a couple of people who work with him at Celtic, and they were absolutely blown away by his coaching ability and his ability to get knowledge across. So, that aspect of things is probably. Um, Good for Shelburne going forward. His transfer policy has been, you know, it has, it really has been looking at Finn Harps and taking their best players and seeing <laughs> uh, what 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 they did, you know. Because yeah. there's a reason Mark Coyle got the nickname the Bert Cante because uh, he's he was absolutely exceptional for Finn Harps yeah. over the last couple of years. And I know Sean Boyd, you know, he wasn't, he was in and out of the Finn Harps team as well. But he's there's a decent player in there that has has something to prove down in Dublin as well that he can p- potentially make it at a, at a bigger club. If she, if you're counting Shelburne as a bigger club than Finn Harps, I'm not sure if you're you're you yeah, actually are, but yeah, it's it's going to be a massive season for for Shelburne. They they really need to maintain Premier Division status. If you look at Finn Harps as a a model for what Shelburne want to do, maybe Shelburne have higher asp- aspirations. But Finn Harps stayed in the league the dirty way a couple of times. And now yeah. they're finally starting to build a squad. And unfortunately for them, that's sort of like Bose when they finally got a squad together and it's been picked apart because they had a really good season. So um, yeah, the, the bonus for the likes of Shelburne is that UCD are coming up into the league as well. And, you know, sort of like Longford town, you're looking at them as potential weak links within the Premier division. And maybe that'll be a boost for them going forward. Um, outside of the Shelburne Dublin, uh, division of of teams. This is an interesting year because there's no. You can almost draw a, a line directly across Ireland with the uh, location of all the clubs. There's no club from yeah. from from uh, the southern part of Ireland at all. None from Munster, oh, Munster and barely yeah. any from Connacht if you if you don't count uh, Sligo. So Sligo Rovers again under Liam Buckley playing some nice football, but losing Johnny Kenny is unfortunate for them. But Derry City are a really interesting club over the next couple of years. They've got new owners, a lot of money, make good signings. And Rory Higgins seems to be a really good manager as well. Are, their their aspiration should t- certainly be Europe because it has been in past years. But is there potential for them to be the same paths of this year and be the, the title challengers alongside Shamrock Rovers?
1: Yeah, if you're looking for a breaker from the pack, I guess uh, Derry City are going to be it. And I, I'd probably figure they, if... McElhaney and if Michael Duffy um, start well for them this season and continue to play well throughout the year, then then they'll be they will be flying. Uh, will Patching as well coming back has been has been a really good signing on you know on the surface because like it just never really took flight from him at Dundalk he went off there on loan. I guess I know uh, Vinnie Perth spoke really highly of him both when he signed him and when he left uh, and before he came back then as well. Uh, but like he brought him back to Dundalk or the last half of last season that was good, cool, but he did his best stuff last year by far at Derry. Great signing. Uh, Michael Duffy's been able to go up there and the money that derry been offering. Uh, same with Cameron Dummigan's good sign on the left-hand side of defence. And McAlaney as well joined his brother. And uh, Maddie Smith as well. Don't think we should have passed. Is a really good sign in too for them. And they've got like a like they've got a really good squad. They got the base of a really good squad there already, with the likes of uh, James Akentunde, uh the likes of Kieran Harkin in there, Jamie McGonigal, uh, McJanet as well. They've, they've got a really good squad or like a, a, a really enviable squad. They're able to do the multi-year thing that Shamrock Rovers, as you mentioned, the previous part were able to do as well. And Higgins is a manager who looks to have something about him. He really does. I have my question marks over him um because uh you know making that step up from you know backroom team and, and someone who's like a performance analyst say it's a, it's a different job to running a club week in and week out. Um but they're in a good spot or Derry. They have the perfect environment to flourish over the next few years. And if they have a good season this year, like as as I mentioned, I still think it's Rovers title to lose. Uh, but they if they have a good season this year, they can definitely build upon that and be the main contenders to Shamrock Rovers as that squad Goes through churn as it will do through age over the next couple of years. Uh, Derry will be there.
0: Yeah, Derry are sort of building a streets don't forget sort of lineup. You know the the, <laughs> the skill level that they have. It's it's, it's insane, just about yeah. whether it's about whether they can bring it all together and be a consistent team. Because I, I guess with the likes of you know McIlhenny and and Duffy, uh, they, they're really good players. But it's it's whether or not they can do it for the majority of the season as opposed to 12-15 games or so.
1: Yeah, I think to be fair, I think Duffy and and, and McElhaney, uh, are those players and can do that. It's just raising the levels of, of the other players. Like getting a full season out of Patching will be big, uh, for them. Getting a full season out of Maddie Smith will be big. And if they manage to do that, like they'll be flying. Um, and they'll, they'll they're definitely a top three team this year. It'll probably be my my picks to finish second behind Rovers. Yeah, we haven't mentioned the the,
0: the two teams that have almost done a manager swap and. That's uh, obviously St. Pats have had some managerial changes, Drahada United as well, and Dundalk. So Stephen O'Donnell is heading back to Dundalk for uh, an, mm. another season as manager, and Tim Clancy is heading to St. Pats from Drogheda. Now, Clancy is a manager that has really gone under the radar, I think, over the last couple of years. So this is going to be very interesting to see what he can do with St. Pats because he has been he did brilliantly with Drogheda, they play some exceptional football for a team that came up uh, from the first division last year. They were one of the strongest and best coach teams. I think he has a good eye for a player. Uh, he knows what sort of squad buildup he wants to do. And again, they're sort of poaching Finn Harps' best players with uh, <laughs> Olabe joining them yeah. uh, up front. Uh, Tim Clancy, do you think he can do what Stephen O'Donnell or continue on what Stephen O'Donnell had started with St. Pat's because Again, I, I just don't know how these St. Pats players will react to winning the FAI Cup final such a high to then losing the manager that had promised them to be around for the next couple of years and building this sort of project with them. And it, it felt like the FAI Cup final could have been a springboard had Stephen yeah. O'Donnell stayed on. But now with Tim Clancy coming on, do you think he can continue on the project and, and continue on the fine form the St. Pats have had? Or do you think they'll struggle with that?
1: Yeah, that's one of the main question marks over the season um, and Clancy, I think, in, in the initial going might find it a bit tricky because it's a... Like, tr- like, to be fair, with all due respect to both clubs, there's a, there's a, there's a major difference between Gerardy United at the moment anyway and St. Pats and the situation that he walks into at St. Pats, which won't have been kind because I think, as you mentioned, the players that are staying would have expected Stephen O'Donnell to remain and to build on what they had last year and that brilliant finish to the season with the FA Cup. But... The, you know, shot of um, I guess, fate from the owners that they would have gotten from uh, the signings of of, of Owen Doyle and the signings of Tunde Awalabi. Like, if nothing else, there are goals in that team, and they've proven before that they can be very difficult to break down. And uh, they've got a good defense there still, even with you know, uh, a couple of people heading out the door. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that like, I, I still think the Pats are, are probably in around top four, definitely. Um I think the, the of Doyle, the signing of Doyle is huge because mm. he's proven goals and I, I, he's been playing at a level above even the League of Ireland the last couple of years and, and even up until the start of this season in England has still been scoring goals. And we'll come back here and still score goals. Getting the service to him is one thing. Um, but I think the basis that what St. Pat's have should be enough I don't think they're going to improve upon what they did last season I think stasis for them would be a good thing I think if they can match what they did last year I think Ro- or sorry, Pats would be, uh, yeah. would be pretty happy with that and Tim Clancy would be pretty happy with that and give them a solid base in which to build Yeah I, I think goals have been
0: Pats main issue over the last couple of years they have a phenomenal midfield and especially with losing the goals that Manny Smith brought last year yeah, uh, the uh, the goals that Owen Doyle will, will bring in potentially Tunday as well, uh, will be a huge boost f- for Tim Clancy. And then, obviously, Stephen O'Donnell is moving back to Dundalk, Dundalk under new ownership as well. It, it's incredible how many actual like, storyline to the storylines there are yeah. with all these clubs this year. But solidity, I guess, is what you're looking for from from Dundalk. That little bit of uh, unbeatability factor, if, if you want to, use a weird phrase that I've just made up. <laughs> um, Dundalk had this invincibility sort of cloak around them over the last couple of years, when especially under Stephen Kenny. They've lost that big time, and I guess that's the first thing that Stephen O'Neill is going to want to do is instill that winning belief again at this club.
1: Yeah, and... It's going to be a tricky thing. Like To be fair, having Pat Hooban in your squad and having Dave McMillan as an ample backup is always going to be able to buy you out of a lot of problems. That's a massive amount of bail money that they have in the form of those two players. But they've had such a uh, tumultuous nature of their of their playing staff over the last couple of years. They brought back in John Mountney and Robbie Benson. They're two solid performers in the league, but I don't think they're... Improving as players, no disrespect to them, but they—they, they, I think they're at the level they're—they're going to be at. Uh, bringing them back in is just kind of—you know—it's attaching something familiar and it's attaching some some muscle memory to a Dundalk squad that's going through massive change at the moment, and I don't think. Like I'm sure they've scouted these players well, but the amount of players that they brought in on loan from the UK is really noticeable. Like really, really, really noticeable. Mark Connolly is probably the the standout of that because he's he's older and you know he's got a lot of experience behind him in the top flight in Scotland. Uh, but they've other players coming in, like the two lads from Brentford, Nathan Shepard and, and Joe Adams, Stephen Bradley, that not that one uh, coming in a winger from from Hibbs uh, and Dan Williams as well from Swansea. Like they could turn out to be absolutely inspired boys. But you need, I don't know, Like it seems like if if you're bringing in loans from the UK, they've probably gone a bit hard on them this year, uh, Dundalk, and they don't always work out. One or two of them will, uh, but you can be damn sure that one or two of them won't as well, unfortunately, and that could be a worry for them because the squad has started to thin from that position of invincibility that you mentioned under Stephen Kenny a couple of years ago and even under Vinnie Perth it's just not there anymore. Um, There are solid players throughout that team. Darrell Leahy staying on is huge for them. Uh, Andy Boyle being uh, such a rock of experience at the heart of defence is pretty big as well. But in different areas of the pitch over the last two, three years, they've lost the likes of, you know, Sean Gannon and Hoare and players around the midfield and I don't think they've been replaced with the quality that has left and that's certainly not been the case now this year. Um, I just I worry about that midfield. I really like I really do. Mm-hmm. Um from, from their perspective. That's gonna be the one where like is gonna be missed. Michael Duffy is gonna be missed in terms of the outlet that, that he gave him down the left hand side. Um and you're not you're just not gonna get that from a young Stephen Bradley. You're not gonna get the defensive solidity from young McCary coming over from Stoke. As highly thought of as they are, there's gonna be wobbles and they're gonna be the same kind of wobbles that they had when they spent like silly money on scouting all of Europe to bring in like nothing players you know um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult first year I think for Stevie O'Donnell up there but he does have the cachet in the area he's got Padge Craig with him Is a former neighbour of mine and a well thought of uh, coach as well after coming up with him and the, the, it's, it's not like they're going to be in trouble it's just the idea of challenging for Dundalk is I think still a couple of years away Yeah Daniel
0: Cleary is a big loss as well heading over yeah. to St John's and he's at the ground running over in Scotland as well so He's a he's a quality player that that they've lost. I I, I hate using the phrase knowing the league because <laughs> it, it is sort of an, a nothing phrase. But I do think the League of Ireland is one of these leagues where you actually you do get a bit of experience, and that experience can often be absolutely priceless. And I think you you saw that with Dundalk over the last couple of years, where they had a lot of these players who came in and they were highly thought of in in different areas of the world, but they hadn't a clue what it was like to go up and play in Finn Park on a on a cold Friday night in January ah, or, no. or in March.
1: It, so. It's always but, used as the outlier for Finn Park and Valley Buffet. It's always the one and they hate that up there. They hate that. They hate that talk. What do you see here? here, here the, the, here's the thing journey. because people people make
0: it out as if it's sort of the same as a cold, wet, wet uh, night in Stoke but it's not because <laughs> Finn Harps went 2-0 up against Shamrock Rovers in, in Finn Park last year. I mean, yeah. they, they, they beat St. Pat's as well um, and yeah, the, I, I was up at a couple of games. It's a great place to go on Friday night. It really is. Go. Um, it's uh, it's such a fun atmosphere to be in. And, and having, you know, glory hunting end here, being a Celtic and United <laughs> fan growing up, uh, getting out of that mindset and supporting Van Harps over the last couple of years in in a relegation battle is as fun, if not more fun. Uh, than anything that the other clubs across the world The last have done thing now, you so want,
1: here. yeah. The last thing you want is to be a mid-table and to just have nothing going for you. Like that's yeah. like essentially you were talking about bows later on. That's the situation that we found ourselves in, like far too often in the last while. Like if if you're not pushing for Europe inside the last few games, then it becomes a bit of a trudge, you know. And uh, it, it's a really obvious trudge. Whereas like there's life about Finn Harps. There's a vitality about Finn Harps that even though they're not going to win the league anytime soon you're envious of what they have up there because it is such a community club and what they've able to have been, build up, what they've been able to build up there is brilliant in terms of uh, feeling around the club, uh, in terms of what Oli Horgan brings to the club as a manager. It was like one of these rogue scholars who's far smarter than he's ever going to look. And you talk about league smarts, like Oli Horgan has it in spades, absolute spades. Your worry for them this year is that they've gone down the route that Dundalk did and they've opened up one of these... Coaching uh, programs that are available online and picked out stats because nobody can say with any great certainty what Philip Mihailovic is going to be like, or that Errol Alkin is going to be like, or uh, that Jose Carrillo is going to be like. Like brilliant names to have on a a team sheet. But, like, and I just mean that as as a concoction and a confection of letters. But but there's an uncertainty there with harps that's going to be really entertaining. But again, you're you're probably going to see them in that playoff again at the end of the season because it's just the nature of these things, and it's going to be between them and UCD, I guess, down towards the bottom of the table.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think Errol Alkin is the first Turk to play in the League of Ireland. He is, yeah. I think that, and then the um, first Croat as that well. That in, in, which... The first Croat, yeah, uh, yeah. Brought, brought in. So it. I mean, you can't, you, uh, follow, yeah. you can't fault you can't fault Oli Horgan's. Uh, you know, scouting, he's, he's got scouts all over the world by the looks.
1: I'd of love him. to, I'd love to know that I'd love to be a, a, like a fly in the wall for those conversations about, you know, how, how someone like Jose Creo or how someone like Earl Alkin gets pitched to Ollie Horgan and how you explain to them what Bally Buffet and Donegal are. <laughs> be, because, like, those, that was, those that was are a remarkable series of conversations and, would be end like that, that there should be a drive to survive type documentary about Finn Harps in and of itself. I think they're long overdue, something like that, because I I genuinely feel they're the complete underdog in that league. Like complete underdog in that league. They've literally everything going against them. And the most the, the biggest thing about that is probably their their geographical placing um even with their closeness to Derry but like like Finn Harps on any conceivable level in a professional semi-professional football world shouldn't work shouldn't be competitive and yet here we are there was it three four seasons now in the top flight on the bounce they do go about it the hard way but Jesus they're entertaining and there's always it, it, it's it, there's a purity about them that you wish other clubs had I guess
0: yeah, big time. You don't get the scenes that that you got with the kids running onto the pitch when Sean Boyd scored that goal. If yeah. you're just, you know, if you're just going about your business and in a normal way, they've really connected with the community over the last couple of years, which is is great to see. Richie, we're almost out of time here, so I'll get some predictions for you uh, from you for the League of Ireland season. Yeah, you've already said Shamrock Rovers are going to win, so relegation.
1: I guess uh, who do you think is going to go down? Oh, I think UCD holding on to Collie Whelan is huge. Like, it's absolutely huge because he is, a, he's probably after already gone into one of the top three, four strikers in the league just by the fact that he's come up and he could get them out of a lot of trouble this year. And uh, Defensively, that's going to be their concern. If UCD managed to keep things tight, you never know. Um, it could be interesting, but it, it, it'd be difficult to look at anybody but UCD and Finn Harps in that bottom two but there are others who could get drawn in. Uh, Drogs, unfortunately, um, with their change of manager at losing Clancy and uh, a big fan uh, of, of Kevin Doherty who's gone in there as well, but he's got a big job on his hands to try and get things together immediately and that needs to happen for them too. They could find it have a, have a difficult year this year. Uh, but yeah, I think the bottom two will be UCD and, and unfortunately for everybody Harps. But then again, as you mentioned, it's going to be an exciting year for them.
0: European... Your
1: European uh, spots, you yeah, Derry. I think for sure. Um, Derry are going to be the ones to probably push Rovers a lot of the way this season, if not all the way. And then I think it's going to be between Sligo and Pats underneath them. Um, for, for the other places, and, and under that, you're going to probably see that that uh tussle of the future roommates of, of, of Bows and Shells. But I think yeah. Rovers, Rovers champions for sure. And I think in, in terms of European places, you're going to be looking at. Um, Sligo, Pats and a push Dundalk but Dundalk are going to have a tricky year this is probably an unfair
0: one but there always is one club who's the unexpected mess of the season oh the
1: unexpected shambles Um, I don't It's it'd be difficult to say with any degree of surety but I think the unexpected mess because I don't know because Waterford are gone now I guess I don't know the unexpected mess I don't want. I don't want it to be true. Clearly, but the, the unexpected shambles could well be bows this year. Hmm. I hope it's not. But there's if enough things go wrong, that could be the situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I suppose by the nature of the question of unexpected, that's probably a hard one to exactly to answer. Shamrock so, Rovers. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shamrock <laughs> Rovers fighting for Finn Harps for the playoffs. See, if I'm going to be then, right about one,
1: I'm going to be. I'm, gonna be I'm, I'm hedging my bets there. I'm definitely going to be right about one. They're definitely going to be champions. They're definitely going to be a shambles, one or the other yeah listen Richie brilliant stuff as always
0: League of Ireland season starting next week can't wait for it cheers for all that cheers Anna. Team 33
1: this is OTB Sports Radio
0: No, so that is us done on Team cool. 33 for this evening thanks to everyone who listened in and watched on the YouTube as well we'll be back again same time same place next week while the League of Ireland season is ongoing but until then take away Johan Bye.